This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go on this Sunday morning, the 23rd of April. The year is 2023. This is Scoop Podcast episode 412. A few brief notes. Then conversations in no particular order, although this is probably my biggest note. It looks like we are trending toward Gophers men's hockey against St. Thomas to start the season in October. It's not finalized yet. Some details still to be worked out. I suppose it could go sideways, but we are trending toward Gophers Tommies men's hockey to start the season in October, a two-game series. On the Vikings, we can do a deeper dive on this later. I am not, though, dismissing the Trey Lance trade talk. A lot still needs to happen, but do I think there's internal interest in Egan in Lance? Yes, I do. On the NFL draft, my money right now in the Vikings at pick 23 is they move back. But I cannot rule out any possibility. But of the three possibilities, move up, stay, move back, my money right now would be on move back. Now, depending on who falls, like there's a lot of scuttlebutt about, hey, the Vikings need a cornerback. They will draft a cornerback very high. Deontay Banks of Maryland was in recently for a visit. From a scheme standpoint, incredible fit for a Brian Flores defense. The Vikings have the book on Banks. So if he falls to 23, okay, maybe they just stay. Maybe they pull the trigger on Banks because they have done a ton of work on him. I'm also not dismissing, though, with their first pick, if it's at 23, or later, going wide receiver. Jordan Addison of USC, Jackson Smith and the Jigba of Ohio State, Quentin Johnston of TCU, all visited. On the Ohio State kid, I know he missed a lot of the year, but go back and watch the 2021 season. I can't foresee him falling to 23. If he does, the Vikings should run the card up. That kid is going to be really, really good. His route running is exceptional. I just don't see a scenario where he falls to 23, but that goes back to, could they just stay at 23, gobble somebody up if they do indeed fall? I still struggle to see quarterback early. Yes, they've done all sorts of homework on Hendon Hooker. I'm not dismissing it. Just hard for me to see quarterback that early, but can see a quarterback in the middle rounds. Defensive lineman, former Gopher, former Iowa State Cyclone, MJ Anderson, was another recent draft visitor. We hadn't previously reported that. On the University of Alabama, Birmingham running back, Dwayne McBride, he did visit here, but he also had a pro day on Friday coming back from an injury. The Vikings did not attend the pro day, but presumably after he visited here earlier this month, they do have the book on the UAB running back. Thomas Rush, the former Gophers pass rusher, had a recent draft visit with the LA Chargers. Former Gophers linebacker Mariano Sori Marin attended the Bears' local draft day, told he performed very well. So that was a workout for the Chicago Bears, rooting hard for Mariano. Such a great kid. I think about former Gophers linebacker Jack Gibbons. 
now fully entrenched with the Tennessee Titans, undrafted, worked his way up. Yeah, it'll be hard for Mariano to get drafted, but he can sign right after the draft an undrafted free agency deal. In fact, the Titans have done a lot of work on him. The 49ers have also done a lot of work on him, but he's done a lot of Zoom meetings. He has spoken with a number of teams, so there is definite interest. So I'm hoping he can get with the right franchise, then climb the ladder. Gophers women's basketball, they lost a recruit a couple days ago. Maddie Wilkie, the Wisconsin Badgers transfer guard, double-digit score. She visited the U. The U was hoping to secure her commitment, but she chose Utah instead. The Gophers men lost recruit Latrell Wrightsell Jr., the transfer from Cal State Fullerton. He chose Alabama over the Gophers. The men had Charles Pride, a guard transfer from Bryant, in on Thursday. The Gophers were said to have Montana State guard transfer Darius Brown II in for a visit this weekend. In an ideal world, Ben Johnson's team secures a commitment from Pride from Brown II. In case you missed it, Andrew Rohde, the former St. Thomas star, one of the best players in the Summit League as a freshman, chose Virginia a couple days ago, chose Virginia over Creighton. Early on, a lot of people thought, hey, he'll head to his home state, Wisconsin Badgers. Nope, came down to Virginia and Creighton. Curtis Jones, the former Creighton Durham Hall star from the University of Buffalo, he is on his way to Iowa State. The Gophers inquired early. He told the Gophers, no, not interested, don't want to be a Gopher. He ends up at Iowa State. On the Twins, Alex Kirilov's 20-day rehab assignment expires this week. I will not be shocked if the Twins option him to AAA if he needs some more time with the St. Paul Saints. Still think it's when, not if. He helps the Twins' big league roster. You think about the Twins' offense, you know, struggling at times, third worst in the big leagues, runs, three runs or less in games. I mean, the offense has been really, really good in some games, but there's been many games where they score three runs or less among the worst in baseball in that category. Now, the cold weather isn't doing the Twins any favors. I'm not overly concerned, but do think Kirilov eventually can help the Twins' office, offense. Just don't think. It'll be immediately. Congratulations to my guy, Jake Irvin, Bloomington Jefferson High School alum. Got his first AAA win a few days ago. Pitches for the Rochester Red Wings, the Washington Nationals AAA affiliate. The Nationals added him to the 40-man roster in the winter. So that tells you how healthy an opinion they have of Jake. So hopefully, much like Kirilov, when not if, he'll be back in the big leagues. Hopefully it's when not if. I do believe it will happen since he's on the 40-man roster that Jake will make his major league debut. On the Wolves, I fully expect Washington to come after Tim Connolly. They lowballed him in 2019, made him an offer, but it wasn't five years. It wasn't for the $8 million a year he makes with the Wolves. Didn't have any sort of ownership equity ties either. So the Wolves make this sweetheart deal, a deal that he just he couldn't turn down. But He's from the Washington, D.C., Baltimore area. His wife is from the Washington, D.C., Baltimore area. Used to work for the Wizards. I know how passionate he is about the Wizards organization, the relationship he has with owner Ted Leonsis. Doesn't mean that Tim is leaving after a year. In fact, you know, like, I'm pretty sure the Wizards are going to come calling. I'm not convinced that Tim reciprocates the interest. Just the timing is really, really awkward. I thought everything would happen a year from now. 2024. I really didn't think Tommy Shepard would be out as Wizards general manager. I thought he would get at least one more year considering his relationship with Leonsis, how long he's worked 
for the Wizards organization. But Ted makes the move. Now, hey, maybe it's Trajan Langdon's job. And, you know, like all this is for not. But I just know based on 2019, based on his history with the Wizards, based on him being from there, his wife being from there, there's definite interest in that job. I just think the timing is really, really awkward. I mean, to me, it reminds me of when the Gophers men's basketball job was open. Not that Mark Coyle pursued Eric Musselman, who had just wrapped up, what, his first year at Arkansas. But, like, he wasn't leaving Arkansas an SEC job after one year to come to Minnesota. And it never got off the ground. I mean, Mark Coyle never even pursued that. But I just don't think Eric Musselman was leaving Arkansas, especially with the money he was making or set to make. I don't think he was leaving Arkansas after one year. The timing again, like maybe next year, yes, based on my understanding the way Tim Connolly's contract is also written, although there's one thing I need to check on that front. This story isn't going away, but I'm just telling you, I will be surprised, not shocked, nothing in the NBA shocks me at this point, but I'll be surprised if Tim actually leaves right now, but I do think the Wizards are going to have interest. Whether he leaves or not, it will be a fascinating offseason. That offseason could begin as soon as late tonight if the Wolves lose game four. To Denver, will they trade Carl Anthony Towns, Chris Finch's future, I think, with multiple years left? Remember, it was this time last year that Finch signed a four-year extension. Glenn Taylor is still the majority owner until I hear otherwise. I know Glenn didn't like paying Tom Thibodeau for a year before he landed the Knicks job. have a hard time believing that Glenn is willing to cut Chris Finch a big fat check, especially with all the injuries. I mean, I can see the Wolves running it back in many ways. Jalen Noel will leave as a free agent. They'll continue to try and sign Nas Reed to an extension. But at this point, if you're Nas, you want to get to July 1st. Like, you know, there's going to be a healthy market for you come July, but the Wolves have tried for a while to extend Nas Reed. So maybe they can find a happy medium, but yeah, Noel, he'll leave. But otherwise you can run this thing back in many ways and pray, hope for health. That cat doesn't miss 50 something games. A Torian Prince doesn't miss 20 games. A Jordan McLaughlin doesn't miss nearly 30 games that Jalen Noel even missed what 16, 17, 18 games down the stretch that Nas Reed doesn't get hurt. I mean, outside of Jaden McDaniels, who's now hurt and Anthony Edwards, I mean, everybody dealt with some issues. I mean, Rudy Gobert missed a handful of games at different points, right? So if they can just maintain a little bit more health, I can just see them looking at it and saying, we're not that far away in the Western conference. Like our preseason goal was a top four seed. We weren't that far off with all these injuries. Let's run this thing back in many ways. Let's do it again for the 23-24 season. I just I think next summer has a chance to be a lot more fascinating, but I'm not dismissing the possibility of this offseason being pretty fascinating. All right, let's get to interviews, a deep dive on the NFL draft, which begins on Thursday. It is draft week. Happy draft week. Let's begin with Robert Griffin III, former Redskins quarterback, former Browns quarterback, now does excellent work for ESPN. Here's my recent conversation with RG3 on the Vikings. RG3, I appreciate you doing this. As we look at the Vikings, the team I cover on a regular basis, that pick 23 in the first round. Now, who knows? Last year, they moved backwards. Maybe a quarterback falls. Maybe they move up. But as you look at that 23rd pick, many needs here, cornerback, pass rusher, interior of the defensive line. I can make a case for a receiver. As I mentioned, maybe quarterback. How do you size up that 23rd pick? Yeah, I would say quarterback I would take off the list. 
Um, you know, I, I think Kirk Cousins has done a, a really nice job over the last few seasons of kind of curbing uh, the narrative about his play style, um, you know, with the comeback victories last year, leading the NFL in that. I know Minnesota fans uh, have been fed up and, and want more out of the quarterback position, but he's on your roster right now and you're paying him a bunch of money. So I think what you need to do is try to put as many weapons around him uh, to continue to help him go be successful. You just lost uh, Adam Thielen, uh, or can't say lost. You decided not to sign him back, essentially. Um, so I, as an offensive guy, would say go wide receiver. Um, if you have an opportunity, if Jordan Addison is there at that position, I think that's a great complimentary piece uh, to Justin Jefferson and also K.J. Osborne. So I do believe K.J. Osborne is a is a very quality wide receiver um, and stepped up at times last year to make big plays for them. But cornerback is certainly an issue with uh, losing Patrick Peterson uh, and not bringing him back. Uh, the defense, uh, you know, guys like Zadarius Smith, you know, one of my former teammates, I know that they're hungry and they want to, you know, continue to go out and be successful. So adding to the defense is never an issue. Um, but at 24, I would I would say if the wide receiver is there that you know, hey, this guy can really help us, uh, I would take that guy and, and not necessarily try to outscore people, but just give my quarterback more weapons with TJ Hawkinson there, Justin Jefferson. And ob obviously, you know this more than anybody, the decision on Dalvin Cook is the most important one, in my opinion. Madison is a really good back. Uh, but I would try to do everything I could to keep Dalvin Cook as well in the fold. I would too, but I'm just telling you, RG3, I don't see Dalvin Cook here come week one. I don't know if something happens in two weeks, in two months, but I'm just telling you, I will be surprised if Dalvin Cook is here come week one. Yeah, I've heard the news. I've seen the uh, the rumors flying around. Uh, he's just a special back, and I think you can a lot of people can undervalue how important it is to have a back like Dalvin who can run the ball in between the tackles, run outside, has the home run hitting ability and can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, but if they do end up moving on from Dalvin, then I think they should also go get on the running back. And this running back class is very deep. Uh, you know, a guy like Ty J Spears, or as I call him, Ty J Shakespeare's, uh, he's, he's a dynamic back and he has an opportunity to, to quote unquote fall in the draft just because the running back position has been so undervalued over the past few years. He brought up one receiver by name. So Addison from USC, the transfer from Pittsburgh, he visited here. Now, I don't put a ton of stock in when guys come in for a visit, but the Vikings did bring in Addison for a visit last week. Why would he be such a good fit here? Yeah, I think, you know, him moving from Pitt and going to USC uh, and his numbers going significantly down kind of has, I wouldn't say soured people on him, but given them a false sense of who he is. Look at what he did at Pitt with Kenny Pickett as his quarterback when he's the number one option. He was the number one option at USC, but they had so many different receivers and they were blowing people out the majority of the year that they were spreading the ball around a little bit. So Addison is he's sneaky fast is what I call it. He's so smooth in and out of his breaks that sometimes when he blows by you vertically, you're like, wait, what just happened? Uh, and I just think he makes everything look easy at the wide receiver position. If it wasn't uh, Addison, um, you know, a guy that they could probably get later in the draft is Xavier Hutchinson um, out of Iowa State. Uh, this guy, he was Iowa State's passing game. Uh, very technical route runner, uh, can really work in the slot, and he's a big slot receiver who can also play outside. So I like both of those guys. Uh, and if Quentin, Quentin Johnston from TCU happens to fall uh, in the draft, I don't think that's a bad option as well. Uh, later in the draft in the second round, potentially. 
Uh, but I wouldn't do that right there at 24. I think he could be gone, but he's probably one of the most uh, controversial, you know, evaluations over the course of the draft. He's a big guy, but he's like real shifty with the ball. Great with yak. And uh, some people are split on his tape, but there are a lot of wide receiver options. And this receiver class, I think, is deep. You could probably get a guy in the fourth or fifth round that could really help your team in year one. So Quinton was another guy that came in for a visit recently. So the Vikings have the book on the TCU wide receiver <laughs> on, on your good friend, Kirk Cousins, final year of his contract. So right. yes or no, your opinion. Do you think Kirk Cousins is yep. the Vikings quarterback in 2024? Uh, you know, I would, I would just say, I think for Kirk, it, it comes down to playoff success. Now um, they paid Kirk a lot of money there in Minnesota. Um, you know, the fans, uh, people don't understand how much the fans weigh into decisions like this. They're not, the GMs are not going to fold to what the fans think. Um, but this is a business and it's about selling tickets. It's about selling jerseys. It's about making revenue. Um, so I think what they did last year was more than enough for Kirk to be, uh, to be the guy this season. Uh, and I think he would tell you the same, like the goal is always to win the Super Bowl. And if you're not the team that wins the last game of the season, not just your last game of the season, but the last game of the season, then no one's really happy. You can say it was a success. I would say that this past season for the Minnesota Vikings was a success, but it could be more successful. And I think for Kirk, for him to stick around uh, past this next year, it's going to have to be with a deep playoff run. I'll leave you with this. So what if I told you I really believe, RG3, that the Vikings will draft a quarterback, maybe not Hendon Hooker or anybody in the first round, but, you know, third round, fourth round, fifth round. They had the Stanford quarterback McKeon for a visit recently. The BYU quarterback is a guy they've done a lot of work on. Hall, Thompson Robinson from UCLA. Like, is there a middle-tier quarterback that you look at and say, okay, he would be a really good fit in Kevin O'Connell's offense? Well, I mean, you mentioned the one, like Hendon Hooker, I think, is a is a steal. Um, he would be probably a top 10 pick. And there's there are some reports out there that he might end up being a top 10 pick if it wasn't for his injury. Um, you know, Hendon Hooker is a little bit older guy, so it's not like teams are looking at him and saying, let's go draft him in the fifth round and give him five years to develop. Um, you know, he's a guy that teams probably want to play in, in one or two years uh, because of his age. But the guys you mentioned, Tanner McKee, uh, I believe he's a complete project, you know, tall guy, highly recruited out of high school, went to Stanford, very smart. Um, but he, a coach in developing him and his ability to feel the pocket is really what's important. Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA, um, you know, I've got a great relationship with that staff out there. Uh, the guy is dynamic. I mean, he's a he's a ball of talent and it's just a matter of him getting in the right system. And I wouldn't I wouldn't look at. Uh, Kellen Mund and be deterred from going after a guy like Dorian Thompson Robinson, completely different players. Uh, And then Jaron Hall at BYU, another older guy, played a lot of football. You know, the reason those guys are getting mentioned is because in Kevin O'Connell's offense, you're going to have an opportunity to move the pocket, do play action passes, boots and keepers, and having that added element of your feet. Look at what a guy like Brock Purdy did in San Fran Similar system, not exactly the same, but very similar system. Uh, and, and that ability to make off-schedule plays doesn't have to be what you fully lean on, but having it can open up things to your offense. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because, listen, I was teammates with Kirk, and that's one thing that Kirk does not really specify in, and that's why fans get upset. If the play is there, I promise you he's going to hit it. If it's not there, more times than not, you're moving on to the next down. Uh, some of these other guys can help you 
find those hidden yards, right? You hand it off to Dalvin, and he finds a 10-yard gain on a run that should have been one yard. Some of these quarterbacks can do that, but I wouldn't get so overjoyous and try to move on from Kirk Cousins right now because I do think he gives him the best chance to win. RG3, thank you for doing this. I know we're up against the clock. We'll catch you all over the ESPN platforms, not only pre-draft, but after the draft as well. Appreciate you, Darren. All right, brother. God okay. bless. Thanks, RG3. Thank you. See ya. We keep the draft talk rolling. This is a lengthy conversation with my guy, Jordan Reed of ESPN, ESPN NFL Draft Analyst. We cover a lot of ground here. Here is my conversation with Jordan. Jordan, great to see you. Before we go down a rabbit hole on the Vikings, certainly want to pick your brain on the Vikings myriad possibilities. I also want to pick your brain on guys with local ties, some of the Gophers, guys like Evan Hall, who's from Maple Grove. Just overall, how hard is it this time of the year? For me, it's challenging just to sift through all the information, trying to figure out, okay, this is legit, but this is a smokescreen. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I saw your colleague Adam Schefter on Monday report that it's looking like, okay, quarterback goes one to Carolina. But at this point, it doesn't look like quarterback goes two to Houston, nor three to Arizona. I think the idea would be somebody moves up to three in that Arizona slot, that the next quarterback will go, in all likelihood, pick four. But I'm thinking as I'm hearing that, I'm like, really? Like a quarterback isn't going to go two or three? So I'm just wondering from your standpoint, how challenging is it with just so much information coming in to try to decipher, okay, this is legit, this isn't legit? Well, it's tough, Doogie, honestly, just because you're checking in with sources, you're seeing how they feel about certain prospects. And we're at the point now of this week leading up to the draft or the week prior to us, should say, leading up to the draft. This is when the final board is set for every team. This is when they have their final draft meetings and the board is the board. When they exit that office, whether it's on Friday or Sunday, depending on when they have their meetings, when they walk into the draft week, you want everything to be set just because you get to the point of where you're overthinking and you don't want your scouts overthinking. You don't want your executives overthinking too. So it's really tough as far as what you're hearing, just because you have some teams that floated out there just because they want other teams to panic. And then sometimes it could be legit and sometimes it's not. So I call this the white noise section of the draft, just because you're hearing, hearing so many things, but you don't know exactly what's true. On the Vikings at pick 23, is there any position Jordan that you say, okay, no way, no how. Knowing Quasi, knowing this new regime, like there's no way they would take that position. Like I'm thinking about the Texas running back. I don't know where he goes. But like if Robinson somehow falls to 23, and I get it, pass first offense with Kevin O'Connell, but I don't think Dalvin Cook is going to be here, but they did pay Alexander Madison pretty good money. But like can we cross running back off the list? Or in your mind, are you like, okay, maybe, like if Bijan is there at 23, maybe they would pull the trigger. I'm just curious, like, is there any position where, like, no way, no how the Vikings won't go that position in the first round? Well, running back, I think that's an obvious one, and we'll see what happens with Dalvin um, with that whole situation that's happening right now. Uh, Alexander Madison, they showed that they wanted to make a commitment to him, giving him a two-year deal, which was very surprising to me with him being back. Um, investing so much money that they have invested in running back right now. They like Ty Chandler, him coming back off of the injury. Kane Wangwu, they seem to like him too. So we'll see what happens with that situation. But running back and offensive tackle, I think those are two areas where I would be really surprised that they would take it 23 just because Brian O'Neill is going to be back. Him coming off of the Achilles, I think he'll be fine. Christian Darisau, I think he's entering that elite category with the step up that he made last season. Vidarian Lowe, 
uh, is a player that um, was lower on the depth chart last year, but they seem to be pretty excited about him entering his second season. So um, offensive tackle, I think you can scratch that out. So those are the two definites. It screams a trade back, but it takes two to tango. Like if I had to bet right now, Jordan, I think it's trade back, not trade up, but all the possibilities are still in play. Heck, maybe they just stay at 23. But do you see a logical trade partner? Like, do you see a scenario that that screams this is more likely than all others that, okay, maybe this player falls or it's this position group and some team behind them? I don't know who that team is, but this is a logical trade partner that they would move up to pick 23? Well, I'll say this first, Doogie. I would be shocked if they picked at 23, only entering the draft with five selections last year. Quasey didn't stay at any of his original selections last year, so he's shown that he likes to finagle and will and deal when it comes to the draft. Uh, so I would be really surprised if they traded up. Uh, I think they're going to trade back. If I had to guess, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up with two second-round draft picks. I think that may be the goal for them. But like you said, it takes two to tango. Pittsburgh uh, at the back end or the front end, I should say, of the second round. And then also Houston, both of those top selections at the top of the second round. I would keep an eye on that. Pittsburgh needs some help in the secondary and they have a pick at 17 overall. If they're not able to get an offensive tackle or a corner there, I could see them looking to trade back into the first round, taking advantage of that trade of Chase Claypool, who they sent to Chicago. They could look to get back into the first round. Then also Houston. You, we know they need help all over. So them making three first-round selections, that's how you get a fan base really excited. So I would circle two of those teams as potential trade-back partners, but we'll see what happens on game day, or excuse me, draft day. Is there a particular player where you're like, okay, yes, I'm with you. Like, I think they move backwards, and a trade is coming. Maybe it's forward, who knows, but probably backwards. But like your colleagues this morning, McShay, Kuyper had Joey Porter Jr., the cornerback from Penn State, falling all the way to 23. Like, to me, if that happens, Jordan, like, I'd be sprinting that card to the podium. I just think he happens to be a pretty darn good fit in a Brian Flores defense. I think he's a really good player. Maybe I'm biased him being a Big Ten guy and following the Big Ten a little bit more closely than some of the other conferences. But, like, maybe it's him. Maybe it's somebody else. Is there a guy where you're like, okay, if that guy, considering positional need, if that guy falls to 23, the Vikings better just stay put at 23. It's Deontay Banks, the cornerback from Maryland for me. And he's one player that I'm extremely high on. He's actually my 14th ranked player going into the draft. So I like him a lot. And I still think the Vikings need help at cornerback. And yes, I know they signed Byron Murphy. We'll see if they want him to play slot or if they want him to play on the outside. But I think a lot of people are underestimating the questions that they have at that second cornerback spot with the Caleb Evans and Andrew Booth Jr., with his injuries and then also Caleb Evans coming off of the concussions too. So I still think cornerback is a huge question mark and I don't, I don't expect it to be a heavy investment. I don't think they're going to double up at the position, but it wouldn't surprise me if they use high draft capital just because I think they need another body there. And I know they signed Jawan Williams a day ago. Uh, I don't think he's going to factor into the equation much as far as when it comes to the active 53, but as far as some high end depth or potential CB one in the future, uh, Deontay Banks, I think he would be a home run selection for them at 23 if he's there. What are some other positional needs as you look at that 23rd pick? If it's not cornerback, where else could they go? Wide receiver. I think they need a lot of help at wide receiver. K.J. Osborne, I think he's a really good player. Um, but we've seen that when teams focus on Justin Jefferson a lot, they still don't have that dominant number two that can step up and play inside and outside. And I think K.J. is a really good wide receiver three. 
but I would like to see them get another young wide receiver in the room to replace the production that Adam Thielen left when he went to the Panthers. So somebody like Jordan Addison of USC, I think he would be a really good selection for them. The dream is Jackson Smith and Jigba of Ohio State being there, but I just don't see any way he gets outside of the top 15. Um, but Addison, Smith and Jigba, or even Zay Flowers from Boston College, I think any three of those will be a dream scenario for them if they're there at 23. Expound on Addison. So he was in town for one of those top 30 visits. I don't know, Jordan, how much stock to put into visits, but hey, he was here. So the Vikings do have the book on Addison. Also, Quentin Johnston from TCU. Is he another guy or is he more a guy that's like second round? You'd be reaching, even if it's them moving backwards, if it's late first or early second, would they be reaching for Johnston at that point? Well, I'll just speak on Johnston first. There's a lot of mixed opinions about him, honestly, Doogie. I have him that fringe first, early second round grade. That's what I have on him right now. And, you know, he has a different playing style than some of the other receivers in this draft class. He plays inside and outside, but I think he's predominantly going to play outside on the next level. He's that big body, go up and get it type of target. But he wasn't able to show a lot at TCU just because they really had an all or nothing offense. So either he was running screen passes shallow routes or he was running go routes down the field so in a kevin o'connell offense we know they value separation now, even going back to his days with the rams all the the receivers that they drafted or brought in they value separation and that's something that he kind of struggles with a lot so i don't really like the fit um in kevin o'connell's offense so that's why i like addison and the others much better but with addison he's been very productive at two spots at pittsburgh where he won the bolitnikoff award which goes to the best receiver in the country and then also at usc we saw what he was able to do but he's very reminiscent of a player that had a lot of success when Kevin O'Connell was with the Rams and Robert Woods. And we saw what he was able to do uh, during his time with the Rams. So I think Addison playing that Robert Woods role, I think, could be really good for the Vikings. What about pass rusher or interior of the defensive line? Or what about this branch kid from Alabama? He was another kid that was in on a visit. He's what? He's a hybrid defensive back safety, but maybe slot corner. Like he's got some versatility. Yeah, he plays that nickel slot role, that star position, like we've seen in Saban's defense in years past. Minka Fitzpatrick really made it notable when he was there. And, and, you know, he's athletic enough to play multiple positions. I think he can play free safety. He can play strong. He also can play nickel, too. So he wears a lot of different hats in the secondary. Now you have to have a distinct plan for him just because he's going to need to master one position at first just to figure out his role. But with the Vikings playing predominantly man coverage, I think that's something that he could survive in, um, but you want him moving forward as opposed to backwards. So you can blitz him. Um, you can provide a lot of different roles for him, but there's so many different hats that he can wear. Eventually, you want him to master that Javon Holland type of role um, during his Brian Flores' time. And we saw with Miami, I should say, we saw how he's become a really good player even after Flores exited, but I could see or envision that type of role for Branch early on. And then what about, Pass rush or, or interior of the defensive line. The Georgia Tech kid is a Keon White. So he was in. He's another kid. And again, Jordan, like you can you can tell me, Dukes, you're an idiot. Quit citing all these visits. It's not that big of a deal <laughs> when they bring in a guy for a visit. But to me, it's pretty noteworthy when you bring a guy in. They have the sit-down dinner. They're doing all this homework with the guy. You know, all these conversations. To me, it's pretty noteworthy when they bring somebody in for a visit. It is. And I will say this with the Vikings, even going back to Spielman's days, they really use it as a head start on unsigned or undrafted free agents, potential undrafted or priority guys, just so they can get accustomed to the building, the coaching staff, and then they feel very comfortable 
um, with some of the players that potentially could be priority free agents. So it's been a mixture of those type of players. Uh, you know, somebody like Isaiah Bolden of Jackson State, who's a fringe draftable player. Um, Kobe Sortsoff from William & Mary, who's a fringe draftable player too. So they have a really good mixture of highly rated players and also potential priority free agents too. And like I said, even going back to Spielman's days, that's something that they've grown accustomed to just so they could get a head start on those types of players. But Edge Rusher, I definitely think is in play. We're still yet to see what happens with the Daniil situation. Then also Zadarius. And I know they brought in Marcus Davenport. He's on a one-year deal. So as far as long-term stability at the position, I don't think they have it right now. Daniil, he didn't show up to voluntary workouts, obviously, just because he's on what the four and a half million dollar contract right now, um, which is peanuts for him. Honestly, he deserves to be paid much higher than that. So as far as depth post-2023, they don't have that right now. And then interior defensive line. I know they're still trying to replace the production of Dalvin Tomlinson who went on to Cleveland. So with that, I wouldn't surprise, it wouldn't be surprising if, you know, they trade back and then they make a selection with that first pick and they try to trade up with the extra draft capital to get someone like a Mozzie Smith of Michigan or a Brian Brissy of Clemson, or even a Keanu Benton from Wisconsin, who has a lot of uh, highly valued opinions about him in league circles right now. All right. So those are some names. How about some of the pass rushers? I mean, I don't know if some of those guys is the Michigan guy. Does he play also on the outside? I know the Wisconsin guy is more an interior guy, right? But if they happen to go pass rusher with their first pick, maybe it's not 23, maybe it's early second round, they move backwards. But who are some names that we can keep an eye on in that range? Yeah, so what Quasey showed during his first draft is that he values explosive athletes. And with that, every single draft pick that he made last year was in the 80th percentile or higher in the 10 yard split. So that first step explosion that burst and he wants more speed on defense. And I think that's really what they lacked last year. And that's why they let some of the older players go like Eric Kendricks. And then some of the other veterans that we saw, they parted ways with, they want some more speed, especially on the edge. And then also the second level. So somebody like Derek Hall of Auburn, I, I think he's one player that they could have a lot of interest in Will McDonald, from Iowa State is another edge rusher that I think they could have some interest in too. So go back, look at those combine numbers and see the explosive athletes. And they're probably going to be very high on the Vikings board. So the Vikings right now, Jordan, have one pick in the top 75, two picks in the top 100. I get it. You can find gems every single year, but how's the overall depth of this draft as we sit here right now? And again, I think you and I both expect them to have more than the picks they currently have, but when you look at the overall depth of this draft, how much are they handcuffed right now only having two picks in the top 100? Well, I think for them, it's a situation of where Quace is going to move around a lot, honestly. And like I said, I would be very surprised if they pick at 23. But I think Quace, he knows that he needs to build some depth on this roster. And kind of the theme that he's shown is that he's taking a chance on 25, 26-year-old players that maybe suffered injuries or um, just weren't very successful at, at the first stop, but also they're ascending type of players looking for that second contract. So he has some, he's added some young pieces. I've talked about Byron Murphy and Marcus Davenport already, but I think he wants to exit this draft with eight to 10 picks potentially just because they need a lot of help at a lot of spots. I still think they need some depth interior defensive line linebacker is another area. I think they lack depth. They need another corner, maybe another safety too. wide receiver is an obvious one too. So um, quarterback is the big debate right now. They could take a chance on a day two or a day three quarterback. So, and we just reeled off four or five positions right there, only having five picks. I would be surprised if Quasey doesn't try to come out of this draft with at least eight to 10 picks. 
Well, on those day two, day three quarterbacks, I'll just be frank, Jordan. I think they're going to take a quarterback. I don't think it's going to be in the first round. Maybe I'll be surprised, but I think they do draft a quarterback. So, like, who are names we need to know? The Stanford quarterback was in for a visit, but they've done a lot of homework on a lot of these guys. The BYU quarterback, the UCLA quarterback. Heck, you can cite way more than I can, but who are some guys you like for Kevin O'Connell's offense in that day two slash day three range? Well, those are actually two that I was going to mention. Dorian Thompson-Robinson of UCLA, and he's a player that really grew during his senior season operating that up-tempo, high-octane Chip Kelly offense. Had a career year last year, 27 touchdowns, passing touchdowns, 69% completion percentage, and uh, UCLA won nine games last year, which was the most since 2014. So he had a lot of success, and whenever he can play within the framework of the offense, that's when he's at his best. But the game is really gravitating towards those mobile type of quarterbacks. And that's exactly what he can offer. So he brings another facet or another phase to the game with his mobility. Still has some things that he needs to clean up. But my lasting impression of him is that I had an opportunity to see him out in Las Vegas at the East West Shrine game. And he was being coached by Bill O'Brien and Bill Belichick. And they were just hammering him in practice with adjustments that he needed to make. And he just kept coming back. From that hard coaching, he has that tough skin that you love to see. So that's what really made him really appealing to me. Honestly, him taking that tough coaching and being able to adjust on the fly in practice, it doesn't get harder coaching than Bill Belichick and um, Bill O'Brien. So him being able to bounce back within the time frame of that practice, not being sh- not being shaken by the hard coaching either. That's what you want to see, especially from a quarterback. That's a day two or day three guy. So he's one that I think they'll have a lot of interest in. I think they had him in for a visit too, as you mentioned which is really good to see. But um, Tanner McKee is another two of Stanford. They've had him in too. He's a little bit different. He's more of your traditional pocket passer. And he's not a statue back there, but he's not the most mobile guy in the world either. Um, But he operates off of um, tempo. He can uh, make all the throws. Doesn't have a super strong arm, but he has that old school uh, drop back game. He can operate from under center. He can operate from shotgun too. And he didn't play in an offense that really suited him last year. Uh, just because they had some things that um, didn't really cater to his skill set. Uh, six foot six, 220 pounds. So he's a, has a very, very impressive frame. And I could see him being a really good fit in the Vikings offense. All right, let's do some local guys because I could talk to you all day. We could go down any number of <laughs> rabbit holes right on Viking scenarios, NFC North scenarios. I don't want to steal too much of your time. All right, local guys, John Michael Schmitz. Is he your number one center? Some position flexibility, too. I mean, he just played center for the Gophers, but I think he could transition to guard if need be. It sounds like the Seahawks have done all sorts of homework on John Michael Schmitz, as have the Jets, Giants. There's a few teams. But I have a feeling if I had to bet right now, I wouldn't bet significant money, Jordan, but if I had to bet right now, I could see John Michael Schmitz ending up in Seattle. Would you like that fit? How much of a fan are you of John Michael Schmitz? No, I would love it. I I think we're seeing teams value these young centers so much, especially when you have either you have a veteran or a younger quarterback, they bring in centers immediately just because they're the quarterback of the offense. Or I should say up front, having that key piece is so integral to the offense. And we've seen what Michael Schmitz has been able to do during his time at Minnesota. He's just rock solid. He's not going to be the most athletic or the strongest guy in the world, but he wins ugly. That's what I like to say. It isn't always pretty with him, but he just gets the job done. So it wouldn't surprise me if Seattle takes him at 20 in the first round. I know that may seem really early to some people, but it wouldn't surprise me if they take him in the second round either. So he's a very Seattle or Seahawky like pick. They're the always the toughest team to project 
they seem to always surprise us in the first or the second round every single year. So it wouldn't surprise me if they take them at 20 or somewhere in the second round. I hit you on a couple of running backs, former gopher Mo Ibrahim. He's not going to blow you away speed wise, but if you need two yards, there's a good bet. He'll get you that two, two and a half, three yards, right? Like he can run between the tackles, but he's tried to show, uh, show some versatility here, you know, whether it's pro day or wherever, you know, being able to catch the ball. They didn't throw him the ball very much in the Gophers offense, but how do you project Mo Ibrahim who also, you know, you look at the history of running backs coming back from an Achilles injury. You know, that's a tough one, right? That position, that injury, but Hey, he had a really good year in 2022. So he came back from the Achilles, but can he sustain that level of production? I guess, where do you stand on on Mo Ibrahim? Yeah, he's one of those guys that it seems like he's been with the Gophers as long as you've been on the beat in Minnesota. It seems like he's been there forever. But um, he's one player that a lot of scouts like in the later rounds, probably that sixth or seventh round, just because of the durability factor. You have to factor that into the equation in. He's one player that doesn't have any A-level or A-plus trait, but he's just really well-rounded. That between the tackles, banger. He's not going to give you a whole bunch as far as in the passing game, but as far as somebody that can grind out and get those tough yards, he's definitely going to come in. I think he's going to be a welcomed addition to a committee. It's just how comfortable you are with projecting, um, the how comfortable you feel with the durability and the injury history with him. Evan Hall, Maple Grove High School, Northwestern. I was with him the other day, Jordan. He reminded me he didn't play varsity football at Maple Grove until his junior year. Like, I wonder how many draft prospects didn't play varsity until their 11th grade year. I'm sure there's a few. But to me, like a lot of these guys are so good and they've been so good for so long. They probably played varsity as a ninth or 10th grader. But like there's a lot of versatility there. I mean, we talk about Mo being maybe a bit limited, but hey, between the tackles, he can do a lot of stuff. To me, Evan, pass protection, catching the ball. I thought he performed relatively well. You can speak to this better than I at, at the senior bowl, at the combine, you know, maybe the production overall in Northwestern isn't, you know, top notch, but I'm telling you a plus kid too. So like, I'm really rooting for Evan Hall. Is he another one of those day three type guys? Yeah. And you know, green Bay is one team that absolutely loves him. Um, I can put that out there right now. They love him a lot. They said, if he's there in the fifth or sixth round, we're going to take him. And he's one player that, so he was actually, when I was going to the senior bowl, he was on my flight, him and Jameer Gibbs, they're signed to the same agency athletes first. So got an opportunity to meet both of those guys, but his personality stood out right away. I mean, he's a big ball of energy. He just loves to play the game. And that's what you want to see. And a day three running back, he has the versatility. And I thought he had a really good week at the senior bowl too. He was able to show some things from a receiving standpoint that he wasn't able to always show at, at during his time at Northwestern. So, I mean, he's one player that I would not be shocked if he quickly outplays uh, his draft slot. So, you know, fourth to sixth round, I think that's probably where he's going to end up being selected. With this being a loaded running back class, it's really hard to project some of the clusters that we have with these guys right now. A couple Gophers defensive backs, Jordan Howden, a safety, Terrell Smith, a cornerback. Oh, Terrell Smith, huge fan. Um, I would take him in the third or the fourth round, honestly. I'm a big fan. What he showed in Las Vegas at the East-West Shrine Bowl, I thought he was one of the best defensive backs there. He progressively got better every single day. He has the size that you're looking for. He can play press man. He can play zone. Very instinctive and very savvy, too. So third or fourth round, I would be comfortable taking him that early. I know that may seem early to some people, but he's one of those players of where I think he's going to quickly outplay his draft slot, too. So um, Howden, probably, you know, day three, uh, mid to late day three for him. Very tough, very instinctive, has the ball production. 
going to be a day one contributor on special teams, just like how he was for the Gophers too. So um, he's one of those players, once again, uh, I think it's going to go probably sixth or the seventh round that could stick around the league for a very long time. A couple offensive linemen from the area, Nash Jensen from Osseo High School, North Dakota State. He might be more a priority free agent, but I think he'll stick with somebody at some level, right? Practice squad, whatever. Then Brent Lang from Minnesota Duluth. He's a Lakeville kid. Like Duluth, I mean, how many Duluth kids end up going to the combine? So to me, that's pretty noteworthy that a Duluth kid, a Division II kid from Minnesota Duluth, ends up at the combine. So those two guys, Nash Jensen, Brent Lang. Yeah, Jensen was an integral part of their success at North Dakota State. Him playing guard, having some snaps at center, too. I think that versatility is going to help him out a lot. Once again, another one that's probably a fringe draftable player, but you see him making a lot of top 30 visits. So there could be a lot of interest in him in the late rounds, but also as a priority free agent, too. That would not be surprising. And then Lang, yeah, he's another one that also was at the East-West Shrine game. And, you know, what you always want to see from those smaller school players is how they adjust to the speed of the game, just because they're not used to seeing these players with SEC decals or ACC logos on their helmets. So how long does it take for them to adjust to the speed of the game? And I thought he fared very well. Uh, He's probably going to have to be a center on the next level uh, just because of his size, but he's another one that could hang around in the league as, you know, that utility guy that can come in at guard or center. Jordan, thank you. My back door is being knocked on. I have a dog that just <laughs> underwent some surgery in his ear, so he's got a cone on. Oh, wow. I think he's going nuts out there, so I better get out to my dog, Scooby. Always appreciate catching up with you. I'll make sure when when I post this online that people know where to follow you and, and they can check you out on all the ESPN platforms. Absolutely. Thanks as always, Doogie. It's always a pleasure. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Love Jordan's analysis, his information, the homework he does, breaking down these prospects is second to none. Two quick fact checks. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the quarterback from UCLA, did not visit. The Vikings have done a lot of work on him, but he did not visit. Egan, also Evan Hall of Maple Grove is not represented by Athletes First. Here's a good story. This is why I bring it up. His agent is Zach Zenner of Egan, the former Detroit Lions running back. He has now gone on to being an agent. So Zach Zenner represents the former Northwestern running back from Maple Grove, Evan Hall. All right, we wrap up Scoop Podcast episode 412 with my recent conversation with new Gophers big man. He's got a very interesting story. He comes from Washington State. He has a year of eligibility remaining. He will back up Pharrell Payne. Don't even know how much he'll play. His name is Jack Wilson, but he has a football background. In fact, he attended in the last couple weeks the local pro day for the San Francisco 49ers, six foot 11, 300 pounds, offensive lineman. He actually thought about pursuing a professional football career. He has played college football. He is a beast, but he has decided to use his final year of eligibility. Can only use it on basketball. Can't use it on football based on that free year, the COVID year rules, but he won't pursue a professional football career. He'll play one more year of college basketball. He'll do it with the Gophers. Here is. Jack Wilson. 
Jack, I appreciate your time. Thank you for doing this. Why the University of Minnesota? I mean, it seems like you had some options, including maybe pursuing a professional football career. But why do you want to play for the Gophers basketball program? Um, it starts out with the staff. I really felt seen for who I am, just kind of as an individual. Obviously, I've been through quite a journey in college, and uh, I've been able to garner, you know, a lot of life lessons and a lot of things that make me who I am now. And I felt appreciated for that and encouraged to share that as a leader uh, within the program. On that journey, so do I have this right? So Oregon State into Idaho, into mm -hmm. Washington State, now to Minnesota. Do I have that correct? Yep, that's it. I mean, how crazy is that? Yeah, I mean, it's just a sign of the times. Um, that's how the transfer portals change things. Obviously, you know, I've I've been a part of that as well. Um, you know, there's always a part of you that wishes you could have found the home right away and stayed. Um, but, you know, it didn't work out for me that way. But it's okay. You know, it's all life lessons are good ones in my book. And I'm um, happy to be where I'm at today. So take me through this process. So you put your name in the portal after playing at Washington State. And Minnesota mm -hmm. reached out fairly quickly or just take me through how this process evolved. Yeah, they reached out fairly quick. Um, basically, I, if I could have stayed at Washington State, you know, it would have been great. But we just didn't have a one year master's program. So it was really important for me to find that to really get good use out of the last year of eligibility. Um, yeah, I heard from the University of Minnesota. We got onto it pretty quick, talked with uh, a few of the different coaches and um, they reached out to my old staff at Washington State. They had good conversations and we kind of moved forward from there, got a visit going. What's the degree going to be in? It's going to be a master's in exercise science. Okay, so that's what the future holds. I mean, hopefully you can stretch a professional career as long as possible, but the end goal is is to do something in that regard, you know, 5, 10, 15 years from now? Exactly. That's it, spot on. So in terms of your basketball skill set, how will you help Ben Johnson's team? I bring a big, big body to the group. You know, the Big Ten plays physical. That was made very clear to me early on. Um, obviously, you know, it had been a bit of time since I last played basketball, but I came back to the game with really a whole new body. Um, I'm 300 pounds, feel great, way more explosive. It's good to be able to jump now. Um, so that, that's been that's been fun to play that way. And uh, I look forward to expanding on that opportunity, you know, roughing up the Big Ten a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you're right about the Big Ten, but I can't imagine it. What, 6'11", and you said, what, 300 pounds? Yeah. Nobody's going to be moving you around in the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I'm, I'm excited to get out there. So take us through your football background. Did I see that? Did you go to the 49ers <clears throat> Pro Day a couple weeks ago? I did, yeah. So basically through this whole process, um, you know, football, I never played until I got to college. But when I reached that point, it, it was going well. Um, you know, offensive line is a very technical position, but I was all in. Um, I was learning, growing. The original plan was to play another year using the COVID year, and that was really going to be like the big whatever. But that it didn't play out that way. The NCAA came back, said I could only use it for basketball um, because that was the roster I was on during COVID. You can only do that sport. So anyways, um, yeah, I mean, things played out to where I was, you know, so getting some interest regardless of not getting that third year. And I wanted to just see what was up, be in contact, show my face and show that I was, I was passionate about it still. But I also knew that I wanted to balance what's best for me. Knowing those opportunities are very fleeting and, uh, can be short lived, 
I wanted to make sure I could get dialed in with the masters and go into it maybe in the future, um, you know, where, where I can really go all in and be confident in the decision. So a six foot 11 offensive lineman, Jack, like, yeah, we just don't <laughs> see that very often, right? I mean, we see some taller left tackles, right tackles, but yeah. not six foot 11. Yeah, no, it's unique. Um, I think really it, it's about bending your knees and, and staying low, moving quick laterally. It, from there, the length helps and it, it's good leverage. And um, the more I played, the more I started to learn that. And it was it was growing in a good direction. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I just go with the flow. I really just take whatever the Lord gives and I, I try to make the most of it. So how much crossover is there, football and, and what you're doing as an offensive lineman, especially with your footwork? How much does that translate to the basketball court? Um, you know, I, I wouldn't have really known until I did it. And what I found was that I was just a more explosive athlete, more physical, um, you know, things that were hard in basketball are no longer as hard. I think, um, did a lot of growing just as an athlete and as an individual in football that really I get to, um, kind of take some little rewards from on the court. So I want to do more of that, you know? So when will you transition here full-time to Minnesota? I'll be there. I think my move-in day is June 3rd or 5th. Yeah. Okay. So what keeps you busy from now until, you know, whatever that is, June 3rd, June 5th? Um, finishing up some classes. I graduated last semester, but I'm in classes just to be eligible, maintain the student athlete thing, NCAA rules. Um, and then uh, just training, working hard. I'm in contact with the staff, obviously, at Minnesota, and we're getting dialed in what I should be working on. But uh, I have, you know, people out here that I'm working with, and it's been a great deal, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. And you know, I'm motivated by knowing that I'll be uh, I'll be out there soon. So, what are some of those things? Expound on that. What are some of those things that you need to be working on? Yeah, it's it's on on court stuff. You know, um, working stuff that's applicable to how we're going to be playing um, up there. How I'm going to be as a gopher. You know, being able to work the high low offense, being able to finish around the rim, carving out space, getting to know the intricacies of working on the perimeter, getting guys open, setting good screens, and playing off of it um, in two man game and things like that. Um, so working just, you know, all, all facets of my game as a basketball player while maintaining, you know, conditioning, obviously I'm always in the weight room. That's what I love to do. So, uh, that's a big part of it too. Never get out of there. So, you know, just, just training, working hard, you know, doing whatever I can. Well, what is that balancing act of you do spend a lot of time in the weight room, but not mm -hmm. overdoing it. I mean, we're connecting here finally on Monday, but I think we started texting a few days ago and we just, we couldn't find a time in large part because you're in the weight room a ton, which, hey, kudos to you. I'll work around your schedule, but, like, how diligent are you in the weight room? Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I would call it diligence or just, like, a uh, healthy obsession. I, I don't know. I, I just – I love to be in there. I, I spend a reasonable amount of time. You know, I don't overdo it. I'm smart about making sure I keep my priorities right. And I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm, I'm a basketball player now, you know. So um, I uh, I do things that – will have direct, you know, benefit to my game as a basketball player. It's all explosive. It's all powerful movements that, uh, you know, can translate to the court. And I want to be my best. I want to be something that, you know, I haven't been yet because I, I've never played really a full season at this size. How strict of a diet do you follow? I'm not super strict. I just eat clean. Um, a lot of protein. You know, I... I'm good with like listening to nutritionists and what they have to say about like carb timing and all that fun stuff. But, um, you know, I, I don't get too obsessed over it. So what was this portal process like? So, okay. So Minnesota reaches out, but presumably mm -hmm. at least somebody else reached out. So 
What was it like balancing yeah. all of that and deciding, okay, ultimately I do want to be a gopher? Yeah. I mean, I heard from a lot of great programs. The biggest thing that would come up that kind of weeded through things was that I needed a one-year master program. Um, once I caught wind that I could get that done, I wasn't going to settle for anything else. So that kind of cut things down a good amount. And from there, it was just, you know, taking a visit, talking to different staffs, feeling out what the role would be, what what it looks like for, you know, helping me build. Obviously, this is my last year of college. Like, what, what can I pour into that's going to help me later on in life? And um, <clears throat> sorry, then, uh, you know, just went from there and, and it was pretty clear by the end. Take me back to that moment when you told Ben Johnson, told the staff, hey, yes, what you're trying to sell to me, <clears throat> I'm in. I want to be a gopher. Take yeah. me back to that moment. <clears throat> yeah, it was uh, it was a cool moment. I mean, it was it was at the end of my visit. Um, you know, we had finished talking about kind of everything and they asked me if I had any questions. And really, I, I knew and I think I even knew the night before um just that it, it was a it was a great fit obviously the facilities the environment like you can't help but laugh we're so blessed it is an incredible place but on top of that it's good genuine people who you know are aware that i'm I'm gonna be 24 years old on this team next year like you know i'm I've, I've been through this stuff and they want me to expand on you know being able to be a leader and sharing my lessons and and you know ultimately the basketball is a given i'm, I'm gonna come there i'm gonna work my butt off but um, you know, it really felt like God put me in this place where it's like, I've, you know, been growing and cultivating so many lessons and whatever, reading this book, that YouTube video or whatever. And I felt like as corny as it sounds, it's time to harvest and I want to do it as a gopher. And I knew that in my heart. So it was a cool moment. Got to share that with them and I'm excited to get going. Have you gotten to know any of your teammates, specifically Pharrell paints? I think about Pharrell yeah. just got done with his freshman year. Like his body still needs all sorts of work. I'm thinking like mm -hmm. you being a mentor to Pharrell, that could be a really, really good thing. Uh, I, Pharrell was the first dude I met and I'm so excited to work with him. I got to watch their individual workout and he is, he's the beast. He is, he's going to be, he already is a great player. He's just going to keep getting better. Um, sky's the limit for him, man. I'm excited to be a part of his journey and, you know, help where I can um, and just, uh, you know, work with him. We're going to be battling and, and all that stuff, but it's all, uh, you know, iron sharpens iron type deal, and I'm excited to get at it. And all good, connecting with guys that are oh, what, yeah. five years younger than you. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, Dawson yeah. Garcia is a bit of a veteran. Parker Fox has been around, Isaiah Enan, but there's some young guys, not just Pharrell, yeah. but, you know, Carrington and Ola Joseph. Mm -hmm. Like, these are guys that you're like five years older than. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, that's just part of part of the role that I'll be in, right? Like being able to offer up, you know, whatever I got for any, anybody wants to listen, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we're still in college. We're still young people. Like, we can get along. I'm I'm still a cool guy and all. I, you know, I keep up with what's cool. So it'll be all right. <laughs> so what else stood out about, about the visit here? Did you have a chance to go over to Ben Johnson's house or did you guys hang out at, at some restaurant here in, in Minneapolis? Just take us through the visit. Yeah, we went to a steakhouse that was really good. Um, it was Capitol Grill. That was awesome, obviously. Spent time with the staff. Um, Pharrell and Dawson came to that, and that was great. Um, but other than that, like a, a big highlight for me, which I think was pretty unique to my visit, was spending time with Coach Feldy, the strength and conditioning coach. Um, you know, it's not often the team strength and conditioning coach is coming to dinner, doing parts of the visit, but they knew that that was important to me, and it caught wind about, that's where I want my career to go. And, 
things like that. So um, we got to spend time. And he just took me around to all the different weight rooms. Like there's there's a ton of them. there's a ton of facilities on campus, right? And we just you know we share that same passion that maybe not everybody gets, but we just geek out over weight room equipment and stuff. And so that was a that was a big highlight for me. And he's a great guy, and I look forward to working with him. Yeah, Steve is is A plus. Love Coach yeah. Feldy. He is fantastic. Wow. So everything you just said puts a smile on my face because <laughs> I know it. I I know him at least a, a little bit, and so you're in good hands with him. What else, Jack? Is is important to know? As we tell your story, is you transition to here in Minnesota full time coming up in you know what five six weeks? What else is important to know about your journey? Oh man, I mean, I think you know on paper things look a little wild. It looks like, man, can this way I be committed to something? Can this guy this or that? Like, really, it's just been um, a unique story, and I've gone with the flow with with things that you know felt right in my heart and as a man, and trying to develop into ultimately being a great father one day and a great husband, right? And I knew that there were some things where, yeah, I could take the conventional route, you know, from Idaho, stay in basketball. I'm six eleven, like. Why wouldn't I do that? But I knew in my heart of hearts, I wasn't going to be able to give to the sport what it needed anymore. I wasn't going to be able to take it either. So I went with the flow and it's brought me back and it's just a blessing, man. So I'm happy to be a, a gopher soon and and really use all this that I've kind of learned and, and uh, you know, just bring whatever I can to this program. It's a special place and, and I uh, I feel really, really good about it. Just basketball and football or did you ever at any point, Jack, pursue like some other sport? No, just those two. There was there was talk about maybe doing track and field here, just to like fill out the three sport thing. But then things changed with football, basketball, so I'm just sticking with that. <laughs> Do you sense that they're building something here? That the first two years under Ben Johnson have been a bit rocky, but hey, there's been some other examples in the Big Ten. Like, you know, Illinois didn't really take off until kind of that third year with Coach Underwood. There's some other examples. I can yeah. say, but do you feel like, you know, as you get to know more and more about this Gophers program, that Ben Johnson is building something that can be special? I do. I, I 100% believe that. And I, it, I'll go as far as to say, I want to be a part of helping that beyond my one year here. However, I can, I really believe in what they're doing. Those are good, genuine people. And those are the types of people that win. Those are the types of people that succeed. There's things that, that fans or whoever, you just don't get to see on a daily basis when you're not around it. And I've been around ups and downs of different programs and really had experiences where I, I'm I'm removed from it, but I can give an opinion on the situation. And it, it's the same deal here. I, I you can see it, you can feel it, you can smell it. It's there's there's winning in there. You know, it's great. Jack, this was fun. Thank you for doing this. And we'll certainly see you when you get here to to Minnesota sometime in the summer. Yes, yeah, sir. Thank you. I appreciate you. You got it. Jack, thank you. That was fun. Thanks. Yeah. Same Appreciate here. you telling your story. It's a unique story. So glad Thank you were you. able to tell it. Oh, thanks for taking the time. I'm telling you, super, super interesting story. I look forward to connecting with him in person when he is here in June. All right, we are done. Enjoy the Wilds playoff run. Will it be Wild Avalanche in the second round? Heck, to me, that would be a de facto Western Conference Finals preview. Yeah, I'm not dismissing Las Vegas or even Edmonton or LA, but feels like if it's Colorado, Minnesota in the second round, the winner can go to the Stanley Cup Finals. On the Wolves, can they prolong this series, or does it end tonight? The end is near. No team has come back. Certainly no eight seed has come back from a 3-0 deficit. So, you know, they don't have much of a chance. It's when, not if, their season is going to end very, very soon. Will it end tonight or early next week in Denver, or can they even push this thing 
to six or seven games. We'll know that answer soon enough. I have a feeling at best it extends to game five, but otherwise it'll be done in four. Did not foresee this happening. Mike Conley Jr. told me that in the locker room post game on Friday night. None of us thought that we'd be down three games to nothing. I did not foresee it. Yeah, I saw Denver winning the series. I wasn't Phil Mackey-esque suggesting the Wolves win the series in seven, but I definitely thought they would be more competitive than they have been. Fully acknowledging they missed Jada McDaniels, Nasri, but I thought they would have a game by now. Even if it was game three, or finding a way to steal one of those two in Denver. I didn't think they'd get swept, so find a way to at least push the series back to Denver. We'll know that answer soon enough. Always appreciate you listening. This has been Scoop Podcast episode 412 on this Sunday, the 23rd of April. The year is 2023. Stay safe. Stay sane.